the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. But all those up through the 12th grade, please come forward. This is the first for all five of you to come forward at the same time. Before they voted to see who would have to come. <laughs> no, they want to be here. Good to see all of you today. I'm going to get into some serious conversation here with you. We've just begun what season, remember? Lent. And, and during the season of Lent, we focus on Jesus and tell the story these five weeks of Jesus heading to the cross where he stretches out his arms on the hardwood of the cross and then he dies for us. And then three days later, he is risen from the dead. Today, so the story right before our story today is Jesus gets baptized and a voice from heaven says, this is my son whom I love. And Jesus is about 30 years old by that time. And I want you to remember about Jesus. It's weird that in the Episcopal Church, I don't think I learned this when I was young. Uh, Jesus is God, 100%. Jesus is human, 100%. And none of us realize, none of us can even imagine what that mingling is like. We can know what human is because we're all human, but we can't know what God is like because none of us are God. But Jesus was fully God and fully man. And so here he is when the God the Father just said, this is my son, I dearly love him. And Jesus goes straight out into the desert for 40 days, 40 nights, doesn't eat anything, and the devil is there in the in the wilderness, tempting Jesus. If you are the Son of God, he's tempting Jesus. If you are the Son of God and you hadn't eaten anything for 40 days, turn this bread and turn this stone into bread. And Jesus quotes scripture, right? And then the devil says, If you are the Son of God, you see, the devil's frightened. Because God has come down and the devil knows that God is in charge. That God is stronger than the devil. Way stronger than the devil. And so the devil's frightened because Jesus has become incarnate. That God has become incarnate. And he's trying to, to get Jesus to worship him while in his humanity, right? But Jesus said, no. I'm not going to do it. If you are the son of God. The devil comes to us that way too. He doesn't say if you're the son of God because we're not the son of God. But we are children of God. If you are a child of God, then do this and do that and take care of your own self. Think about yourself, the devil says. The devil does not want us to think about God. It's funny isn't it? that the devil can come to us like that. The devil can't make us go against our will, but the devil will tempt us. And we ourselves tempt ourselves because we create habits of, 
of things that we like to do so much, things that might not be good for us. And the devil plays with that. But in this season of Lent, we focus, we always focus on God, but we focus on the sacrifice that Jesus made for each one of us. And so we make little sacrifices like I'm giving up ice cream, I'm going to read the Bible more, or I'm going to um, quit drinking Dr. Pepper, or whatever it might be, right? Little sacrifices because of Jesus' great sacrifice. And if the devil comes to you and says, it's not going to hurt, you know what? You just speak right back to the devil. You say, you get, back, you get, out, get out of here. I'm looking at God. So important. All of our lives all seasons of the church, but especially during the Lenten season. It's always about Jesus. But think about what Jesus did for us and then try to make those little sacrifices and take on those extra things of focusing on God rather than yourself. Okay? All right. Thank you for coming forward. All of you, thank you. I need help. Oh, thank you, Mandy. Good job. So, uh, good morning, first of all. So I'm giving up telling jokes for Lent in my sermons. So I'm gonna tell you this story that I like to tell during the season of Lent. It's not a joke, it's just a story, okay? John Smith was the only Protestant to move into a large Catholic neighborhood. And on the first Friday in Lent, John was outside grilling this big juicy steak on his grill. Meanwhile, all of his neighbors were eating cold tuna fish for supper. This went on each Friday in Lent, and on the last Friday in Lent, the neighborhood men, they got together, decided something had to be done about this. This new Protestant, John Smith, was tempting each and every one of them to eat meat every Friday during Lent. They couldn't take it anymore. So they decided to try to convert John to be a Catholic. They went over, they talked to him, they were so happy that he decided willingly to join all of his neighbors, become a good Catholic. They took him to church. The priest baptized him. And then he said, you were born a Baptist. You were raised a Baptist. And now you are a Catholic. The men were so relieved because now their biggest Lenten temptation was resolved. Well, the next year, Lent rolls around. The first Friday of Lent comes. And just at supper time... When the neighbors were sitting down to their tuna fish dinners, there comes this wafting smell of steak cooking on the grill. The neighborhood men, they couldn't believe their noses. What was going on? They called each other up, decided to meet over in John's yard and to see if he had forgotten that this was the first Friday in Lent. The group arrived just in time to see John standing over his grill with a pitcher of water. He was sprinkling water over his steak on the grill saying, you were born a cow, you were raised a cow, now you are a fish. <laughs> you laugh at my stories too, huh? not just my jokes. That's good. 
I was riding along not so long ago in the car. Uh, I saw another one of those church signs, which I speak about every now and then. This one was right there in plain view, right on the church lawn for everybody to see. And it read, if tired of sin, come in. If tired of sin, come in. And under those words, someone else spray painted, if not, call 624-9899. Now, there might be a bit of humor in that, but we must also admit that the story makes a statement that is tragically true. The opportunity to sin, the temptation to sell out to the enemy of our soul, keeps coming at us again and again and again. This morning's gospel lesson is all about deceit, about how the devil came into the wilderness, tempted Jesus in his full humanity to turn away from God the Father, to do those things that would glorify not God but himself, right? As I've said before, not many people today believe that the devil exists which I think can be a very, very dangerous thing not to believe. According to C.S. Lewis, this may be Satan's greatest achievement. We've been persuaded to believe that that evil is a real entity, does not exist, which gives Satan even greater power to act. Now, I do think that most people have a very real notion of what evil is all about. All we have to do is turn on the news, see what's happening in Ukraine right now. And I do think that we have outgrown the idea that the devil is a sneaky little red guy with horns and a goatee and a pitchfork with a tail. And it would be my guess that if I were to survey this congregation This morning, asking what is the devil, who is Satan, we would probably have as many different answers as there are people in this room. And I may not be able to tell you much about the devil, but I can tell you this. Orthodox Christianity, biblical Christianity, has always considered the devil to be less than God. In whatever form or fashion the devil exists, It is still a creature and has never been considered to be equal with the creator. The function of the devil is often described by the key word tempted. The devil is the tempter. But what exactly does it mean to be tempted? Well, let's say that we're living in a small country community, and I realize that some of you do. And in this community, there are lots of cattle ranches around, and every once in a while, a cow wanders off, gets lost. It's a big deal because if you happen to hit, as in drive into, a lost cow, it's your fault, and you have to pay the rancher for his cow. That's part of the country culture. Not only does one have to worry about nuclear destruction, but you also have to worry about lost cows. Ask a rancher how a cow gets lost, and chances are he will reply, well, the cow, he just starts nibbling on a tuft of green grass, and when it finishes, it looks at the next tuft of green grass and walks over to it, and when it finishes, 
that tuft of green grass, it walks over to the next one and then it sees one over by the hole in the fence and then it eats that green tuft of grass and, and then it goes through the hole and on the other side of the fence and it eats that tuft of grass. The next thing you know, the cow has nibbled himself into being lost. And in the simplicity of that truth, we find ourselves getting lost in the very same way. We suddenly wander around and we wander some more and we wander some more and we wander some more until finally we're just lost. I'm convinced that there's not one person in this room who wakes up in the morning and says, goody, goody, another day. How, how am I going to sin against God today? None of us are that intentional, at least I like to believe. Most of the time we are deceived into slowly turning away from God. In the epic tale of Camelot, the relationship of King Arthur and Queen Guinevere is trespassed upon when Arthur's most renowned and trusted knight, Lancelot, gingerly slips his toe across the marital boundary. It started with only a look, an innocent look, without any kind of premeditation, any kind of evil intent but it was a short, slippery slope from a look to lust, from infatuation to infidelity. The look eventually led to a touch. The touch sometimes later led to a kiss. The kiss led to adultery and adultery led to tragedy. How many of us in our own ways can relate to that? Most often, we are deceived by the pleasures of this world, by our own appetites, by our passions, by the devil himself and all of his demons in whatever form they exist. We are deceived into slowly turning away from God. Kind of like a child who is playing with a toy that you think that child shouldn't have because it might do that child some harm we don't just go in there and grab the toy from that child, do we? Because the child would have a temper tantrum and cry and cry and cry. The better way is to distract his attention by interesting him in something else. And then while his attention is diverted, we take the toy away. Oddly enough, that's exactly how we are tempted. The lure of wealth, the lure of fame, the lure of pleasure distracts us. And our hearts are led away from God, away from our trust in God. It is so easy for our spiritual lives to be diminished. And I must say, all of it cannot be blamed on the evil one. We are guilty. We are guilty. At first, nothing appears to be wrong. But then our love for the Lord begins to wane. Interest in God's word begins to decline. Prayer becomes less important. Church becomes less important. Soon spiritual progress comes to a dead halt. And most of it happens because we allow creaturely things to take the place of God. The tempter, through us, and sometimes we alone, attempt to claim the allegiance, the devotion, and the faithfulness that properly belongs to God. 
Just like in today's gospel reading, the devil comes to Jesus. They're standing there in the wilderness, eyeball to eyeball. The wilderness, as most of you know, is a frightening, threatening place for anyone. I've only driven through the wilderness once on my way to San Diego, but an Interstate 10 in itself is a wilderness. Uh, but I think I can understand why temptation is so powerful out there. Because there you are in the desert, a lonely place, the sun blazing over your head, the sand blistering hot beneath your feet. The only movement is the parched wind makes you feel kind of like you're on the edge of chaos. And maybe that's how Jesus felt when the devil came to him. Three times the devil offers Jesus opportunities to get out of the wilderness fears by getting onto the devil's bus, to give up on the providence of God, to trust the devil and the things of this world, to serve the creature, forget the creator. Our comfortable world feels a whole lot like that sometimes, doesn't it? The war on drugs unleashes a wave of violence and killing young children in gangs, shooting one another in their own front yards. We live in an age of unbelievable communication technology, but for some strange reason, loneliness and depression, those are the most common psychological problems in our society today. People wake up in the morning, they feel that the desert wind is blowing so hard to their faces that sometimes even the strongest medication can't stop it. Yes, we do live in the middle of the desert, on the edge of chaos at times. But we can take the temptations that come our way, just as did Jesus, and we can make good, holy choices through the grace of God. Jesus could have had the world, but instead he chose the cross for the sake of the world. If we want to be the kind of holy that God wants us to be, if we want to achieve greatness in any field, if we want to have a rewarding life or a happy marriage or whatever, then we must remember the action of Jesus as we ask ourselves, what important thing at this moment am I willing to sacrifice in order to achieve what I greatly desire? If we want our marriages to be different from all other marriages that have crashed upon the rocks, then we will have to sacrifice. If we wish to experience the rare gift of friendship with depth and intimacy, then we will have to sacrifice. If we wish to develop our inner spiritual life so that it is a source of peace and strength, if we wish to pray daily, to meditate regularly, then yes, we will have to sacrifice. If we wish to have a happy, full life, finding enjoyment in what we do and who we are, then we will have to sacrifice. And there is no better time than in this season of Lent to concentrate on these sacrifices we make. The sacrifices Jesus made 
for the love of God made a difference in his life and a huge difference, an eternal difference in our lives. The sacrifices we make today affect who we are and what we will become. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.